Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Condell 962 Heavy, turn left heading 140. In the ultimate high-pressure job. 18-4000, expect to follow company traffic. Nick Falzone was in control of everyone's life. Welcome to my sky. But his own. This is the new man. This is uh, Russell Bell. I got a buddy in Denver who told me that this guy was like the best controller he ever seen. He's sort of, um, interesting. I also heard he's kind of crazy. He let a 747 fly right over his head. <laughs> this is funny stuff. I say the guy's a loose cannon. Takes one to know one, Nicky. He brings it in steep and tight. He pushes it in. What's your problem with him? I don't like what he said about you. What did he say? He said you were attractive. That's Russell's wife. If you ever want to sleep at night, don't marry a beautiful woman. He's got French tapes he's going to loan me. Au revoir. 451, turn left heading 060, expedite. I must be losing my mind. I can't work. I can't. What exactly is it you think I did? I'm personally going to see to it that you go down in flames. Oh, you kiss my ass. Repeat that control. Negative, United. That was not to you. Not to you. From the director of Four Weddings and a Funeral. John Cusack, Academy Award winner Billy Bob Thornton, Academy Award nominee Kate Blanchett, Golden Globe winner Angelina Jolie. Fox 2000 Pictures and Regency Enterprises present. Are there people who find you charming? Well, they pretend because I try so hard. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we've been doing this is like what? This is episode. 22 of 99 from 99 so that means we're what a fifth of the way done and i think i think pushing 10 is the kind of movie that made me excited to do this podcast with you deniston in the first place because like we've been saying 99 was this amazingly good year for movies that it would be easy for something to fall through the cracks and not get seen something really worthwhile. And that's what I think this movie is. I was really shocked by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, I I certainly don't think it's like perfect or anything, (laughs) but uh, I felt full. I felt full when it was done. I felt full after the risotto, as they say in Seinfeld. Michael? Uh... 
it's a yeah it's kind of a fucking mess of a movie at least the first <laughs> i don't know first uh 20 minutes 30 maybe uh yeah it's, it's probably a little bit longer than most people would want from uh this type of comedy uh, it's, uh I, I was actually shocked that it's two hours long um now <laughs> I, I'm kind of I mean I shouldn't be surprised because actually there were definitely shades of things here that uh, I thought like okay this could possibly be a Ben Zook joint this could be but I, I don't know because we had no conversation about pushing 10 prior um, I, I like to keep you on your toes Michael yeah um, there, there were definitely some there's some stuff with the Billy Bob Thornton character that I thought uh, this will appeal to my co-host but I didn't know for sure now I was kind of laughing more, uh, as I said, the first 20 minutes was, was a mess. And I thought, oh, no, <laughs> like this is one of those films that strangely, when I was I was 16, when this came out, um, I was really excited about like this was, you know, um, it wasn't like the Matrix for me. Uh, you know, this might have been like this uh, episode one and Eyes Wide Shut would have been like the things I was, I was going to look the most forward to at the, at the movies, uh, in the, in the, the summer months. And, um, God, the, the way they choose to basically inform the audience of what it is these guys do, which is not, I don't think it's something you can sell in 90 seconds. So you kind of have a series of scenes explaining what they do. Like they sort of, they show them at work, they uh they show them leaving work uh and hanging out the the next morning they work overnight and uh the john cusack character who is uh the alpha male and it's going to set up this this battle with a, a new alpha in their pack with billy bob thornton's character uh he doesn't really pick up these two women but I felt like I don't know how you read the scene. I mean, it, I, it ends up just being something where he's he him and his friends tell these two strange women that he invites to sit with them and eat uh, about their job. And he's basically just they're just steamrolling the audience with all this information about what it means to be an air traffic controller. Uh, how did you read well, that scene? I mean, I read it as he was. This is basically his normal routine is to try and pick up these women. Um, you know, and flirting with the idea of having an affair with okay. his wife and, you know, basically boasting about himself, him and his friends acting like, you know, dumbasses uh, and talking themselves up <laughs> uh, at this bar. One of the things I really like about this is that they let John Cusack's character be unlikable in, in many parts in this almost, movie. I, I would say for the, almost the entirety of the film. Yeah, and that's fine. And and Billy Bob Thornton is kind of equally unlikable, and I I found that refreshing. <laughs> I, I don't I I like I enjoy. I, this is an interestingly cast movie because you could put a lot of different guys. If you put Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe, you know, in this role in 1999, it wouldn't work. Wouldn't work at all. Uh, uh, it, it and I know it didn't work for you. Jerry Maguire light. You know, it becomes, uh, I'm assuming Tom Cruise is the Nick Falzone role played by Cusack. Uh, a man, you know, who loses his way and has to get everything back again. His job, the girl, his family. 
that well, would be you're terrible. Thinking, you're thinking like a producer, but I'm thinking like like a director. And I'm thinking that y- it couldn't, it can't be someone who is really impressive uh, visually, like as a hero. It has to be someone <laughs> who has just that just that right amount of of humanity to them, where it's like they're kind of a cad, but they're kind of likable. And both Billy Bob Thornton and John Cusack, you know, have that that interesting interesting intensity to them where they're doing things that you're not a fan of that you don't want them to do but you can't you don't you don't want to stop looking at what they're doing if that makes yeah, sense I, yeah you know absolutely I, I on this one and i i don't remember being that impressed with the film in 99 i remember liking it because i liked cusack and I liked, uh, you know, this is Billy Bob Thornton coming off of uh, a few years later, like Sling Blade. Uh, you know, at this point, they're they're interesting actors. Uh, clearly, the film was a box office uh, disaster, so not enough to, to put butts in seats. Mm-hmm. But they were, if you were into movies, this was, you know, this was a cool pairing. Uh, I I think that, you know, I read it totally wrong as a teenager, which uh, you know I think is par for the course with with me and probably a lot of teenage males in particular into movies but uh my recollection is that i really dug the battles between these two men and the workplace stuff i I still found like i found that fascinating even if i you know i'd never heard of this type of thing before uh usually i like those type of stories where you just put me in the world i have no knowledge of and i just sort of hang out with these guys in this weird job this time around, I was far more impressed and really liked how they handled the the women in these uh, men's lives, uh, their their wives, and uh, I I guarantee you that when I was a teenager, I wanted nothing to do with this uh, affair where the Cusack character sleeps with Thornton's wife, played by Angelina Jolie here, uh, and then sets up pretty much the remainder of the film is going to be whether or not his wife played by Kate Blanchett's going to find out if it's going to ruin his life. Uh, if the Russell Bell character is going to actively use that knowledge against him to try to destroy him in this battle between the two of them. I hated all that when I first saw this film and I thought like, wow, what a missed opportunity to just like, you know, basically be <laughs> swingers, the air traffic control uh-huh. guys, like just hanging out. And this time watching it, uh, in my mid thirties, I, I, as I said, I, the first 20 minutes, I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, this movie fucking sucks. I was like, this, <laughs> I was like, this, these guys, I cannot get away from them fast enough. And when I get to the drama at home, I guess, uh, that's when I really dig it. I really think Jolie and Blanchett do some great work here. Like, I, 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 there's a twitchiness to Jolie's role, especially that first party sequence where she's just, totally indifferent to any of these new people any of these sort of trashy new jersey types that i really dig and normally that would really get on my nerves so that was actually when i watched that i thought man zook's gonna hate this he's gonna hate the way jolie is playing this so what did you think about uh, her performance or blanchette's see i really i really enjoy both of them but i in particular are i'm really i'm really shocked that there's a kate blanchette performance that that's you know this this good and this different from the rest of her work that that I haven't seen or or wasn't aware of at all. Um, this is one of my favorite performances that we've seen so far in this revisit 
Um, and it's so weird that that you know this <laughs> this role that made that you know could have been could have been cast with a number of different people and could have been played a number of different ways. Uh, it's handled so precisely by it her. Could be really broad um, too. Yeah, exactly. And you know when we, we this moment in the I don't want to give too much away because I do think a lot of people could rediscover this, but this moment <laughs> later in the movie <laughs> where, <laughs> where she's, talk, she's talking to her kids and then she says to John Cusack, I just wanted to explain to them what it's going to be like <laughs> that daddy isn't around anymore. <laughs> and John Cusack just starts going into apology mode. What does that have to do with my father? Like, like this is so funny. And I really wish, I wish we could see her playing characters like this. I wish we could see her in comedies. Uh, more. I, she has another role coming up uh, in this year, and we've already talked about this movie a number of times at, at this point, but but she's very good um, in The Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, playing some more kind of kind of broader uh, uh, range of comedy. And mm-hmm. um, man, uh, and, and this other, th- oh man, the scene in the, on the airplane. No water, huh? They only had sparkling, I wanted flat. Maybe you should have asked her a little bit more nicely. I was very polite. Captain! Captain! Listen to me. I have... I have the proper... I have the proper identification. I have an air traffic control. I have the proper ID. What do you think this is? A video card? There's an emotionally unstable man on the ground controlling this plane! I've got to talk to the captain. Will you please just give the man a drink of water? Sit down! I'm sorry. I was really taken by it. I was really taken by it and its charms. And I know there are a lot of things here to, to pick apart that I could understand why people, you know, why it didn't work for them. Um, but overall, I was I was just shocked how how much of a much of an effortless viewing experience this was. Yeah, I think uh, let's see. Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's at 48 percent, which is actually <laughs> probably higher than I anticipated. Uh, audience score forty two percent. Yeah, it's probably more in line with it. You know, there's. I don't think that it's tonally all over the place. I think it's actually pretty consistent uh, in its sort of world building, and and how the the characters interact with one another. But uh, it definitely switches gears. As I mentioned, there is a there's sort of a bro vibe uh, initially. Um, and there's obviously the back and forth between these these two male leads uh, as far as who's going to be the, the, the dominant uh, big swinging dick at work. Um, <laughs> there's a great line that I actually, I kept rewinding to just hear it again, uh, where you've got the Falzone character played by Cusack that's just needling uh, Billy Bob Thornton, who's just really, you know, it's interesting you talk about the casting. I mean, this seems like a role, especially in that time, meant for Billy Bob to play. <laughs> like just that, just giving giving away almost nothing, but having such a such a line like this where uh, he's being pestered, like you know, you you played sports, right? Like you you <laughs> you you know you this is something you did, like yet again challenging his uh-huh, masculinity uh-huh. in a way. <laughs> and, and his response was, "I used to bowl when I was an alcoholic," <laughs> and I just. <laughs> It was such a strangely perfect response <laughs> that I kept rewinding it and just cackling at this. And he's just stone-faced as he delivers it. And Cusack is just so deflated by this because, you know, he's wanting a back and forth constantly. He wants a back and forth with his wife at home. 
uh, but he doesn't want to be like fully engaged with anything she's really into. Like there's a great scene when he first comes home and he's sort of throwing out the notion of them having sex as she's running off to, to, to go to a school meeting to deal with their, their child that I guess we're led to believe is kind of a lot like him as far as his ability to like stay on point and, you know, pay attention to the rest of the world. Uh, and they ended up having sex. And then after that's over, she's talking about, you know, oh, I'm going to be late coming home tonight because she's taking this art class. And he says all the right things. He's like, yeah, those those things are important. Yeah, you should definitely do it. You know, whatever makes you happy. But the way he delivers it and the, the way they have that shot of Cusack laying like with his head at the foot of the bed is just total indifference. To like, I mean, she could have said, you know, I think I'm going to go to the gun range. I really have always had a desire to shoot things. <laughs> and it would have been the same to him as her like taking up painting or, you know, French lessons later. Uh, there, there's these little touches that I really like that just crack me up. And I, I get the impression that people, when they watch this, couldn't manage the broad humor of the guys at work uh, busting each other's balls with those like tiny moments of mm-hmm. Billy Bob mm-hmm. Thornton responding with, I used to bowl when I was an alcoholic. Uh, and being just as flummoxed at times as the Cusack character as far as like what is happening to my life what is happening in this movie uh, but I'm glad you really enjoyed it because after that first 20 minutes I really started getting into it again and uh, this is one that I guess is probably if we had done a pre-ranking system I would have had this somewhere something that I enjoyed when I was younger but probably hasn't aged well uh-huh. and now I'm now I'm wondering if we get to the end of the year if this is going to be like my top 10 so <laughs> I was I was very wow. happy with it. Yeah. So we're both highly recommending this because I thought you I thought you were going to be more more uh, more on the negative side uh, in comparison to me when you when you described it as a mess. Um, you know that this is what I like about it. It's about two big swinging dicks as you described, but the movie doesn't doesn't really put them on a pedestal at all. Uh, aside from being very good at their jobs, they're they're horrible human beings. Like like they're horrible to to their wives and everything. And even though they learn lessons by you know by the end of the movie, it, it doesn't come without a cost. And you know I I was surprised that this movie didn't go for for easy steps in, in the storytelling. Um, I think it missteps a bit at the end i think the ending is uh far too corny for the movie that came before it and i think that angelina jolie's character drops off in a weird way and i think she should have had more more there should have been more of a close to her arc uh we get her we get john cusack describing things she said off screen you know which is kind of you know that's lame I actually kind of like that because <laughs> I felt like that character is done with him, possibly done with her husband, and just done with this fucking movie at that point. Like I just, I actually kind of like that. I will agree with you with the kind of the ending. The, actually, the only real issue I have with the ending, and I guess this isn't a spoiler because I won't give away the content of it, but uh, we sort of wrap it up in kind of a cheesy, mm-hmm. grand gesturous way, and then there's like this little bit at the end. That is like you can tell they just sort of added in some jokes of just like a plane like flying into New York, and I didn't want that at all. I wanted the characters. I wanted to like have the big sweet moment and have the confidence that you don't then need to make sort of a half-ass gag about these two, as if they're just like 
oh, they're just back into their routine of, you know, just their average sort of married banter. Uh, I didn't I didn't like that one little touch. But other than that, I, I didn't really have many issues once I sort of got once I got away from the workplace and those guys. Some of that stuff did feel a little sitcomish as far as, you know, there's this weird quirk with uh, unfortunately, like the only female character, you know, at the workplace. Um, and th- there's this weird offhand thing where they're sort of talking about her, I guess, you know, it's possible sexual conquest and they say she's far too muscular and i'm like who wait who are they talking about like what is i, I was confused and then we get back to a, a scene later in the film which is dealing with something about you know far more important the affair that uh the cusack characters had and we're at this like bodybuilding competition mm-hmm. some of that stuff I, I felt was you know it's like they were afraid like we're not a, we're not comedy enough for this genre so we have to have something kind of goofy or quirky like like you know sort of a kramer-esque type thing happening with one of the supporting characters but i feel like it just sometimes takes away from the the strength of what our main characters are actually discussing what's pertinent to their lives so that that would, would be some minor quibbles but yeah I, I tend to favor these these messy movies a little bit more they're just sort of odd they yeah. just have those mm-hmm. odd missteps um because I don't know, it, it's like it's definitely unique to pushing ten. You know, it doesn't feel like oh, this is yet another one of those uh, you know uh, love triangle movies where we're at a bodybuilding competition. You know, it's it's like it's fine, I guess, <laughs> but it is definitely weird. I could see audiences watching this theatrically, um, probably m- being much more approving of Notting Hill in about a month than pushing ten. Well, so yeah, so you mentioned uh, that it, that it feels sitcomish. Uh, the writing team here is not primarily known uh, for their accomplishments on screen, which I think Pushington is the only one uh, there. Um, But they're primarily known for uh, Cheers and Mm, Frasier, I believe. And so it, so it, yeah, it's sitcom material, but it's like really good. It's the kind of sitcoms I like. So uh, it, (laughs) uh, it didn't really bother me so much. And I, it, it's one of those cases where, and I think I've told you this before, where if I'm watching a movie and it wins me over at a certain point, I kind of just, you know, I just sort of let it go. Like, no matter what happens after like a certain time period, I'm like, okay, you, you, you got me. You got me, movie. Just do your thing. And that's yeah. how, I, how I feel about like the last five minutes uh, here. Yeah, I, I remember the the cheers uh, tying to it, and I, for some reason, I, I had these com- these guys confused with um, the the writing team that worked on uh, Ed TV. I thought it was the same. <laughs> so I'm glad you you actually went into that because I was about to sort of riff and be like, you know, they made up for it <laughs> for that, that 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 terrible comedy. But uh, I think I'm getting uh, I'm obviously getting the writing partners confused with another pair, but. Um, I how would you how would you pitch this to someone presumably a lot of people uh, who have not seen this like if you were trying to get someone to to watch this uh, when do you think would be the point that could possibly win them over and uh, do you think there's a point of no return where if it, you know if you've not gotten to this point and you're enjoying it that you might as well just give up I would pitch it to people who are who are trying to learn <laughs> how to be better directors. Um, specifically okay. better, better performance directors, because I mean, visually, um, you know, the, I, I wouldn't say the movie's like, you know, that much of a accomplishment or anything, but you look at the scene where 
John Cusack uh, and Angelina Jolie are at the party and it's like the second time they've met each other. But Angelina Jolie uh, ha- calls him Barry and confuses his name. And John Cusack does like a double take and giggles and, and then, then screams, Nick, it's Nick. Um, you know, imagine what that take was like, you know, in the early takes. Uh, imagine how Cusack would have done that early on and how possibly Mike Newell may, you know, may have brought him. Because, uh, you know, this is a guy who is obsessed with his own identity, his own ego and everything. And so obviously it's a huge deal for him that that someone, uh, specifically the wife of this competitor, uh, can't remember his name even after like two or three times meeting him. Uh, and then later in the film, later in the film, when he finds out that she has talked about the affair. Uh, notice how he notice how he reacts. Like it's not <laughs> his family he's concerned about. It's his career. <laughs> it's well, like that, and you know, uh, a step further, it's the other guy that he's you know he slept with his coworker's wife, and he's not. I, I always read it like that he was never that concerned. I mean, there was a little bit he's concerned this guy could do him, you know, physical harm, which he addresses like in the following scene. But it's almost like he wants to know he wants to know how he took it because it's like he <laughs> he still is like trying to emulate this guy. And I, I love that sequence where, you know, he I guess confronts the Billy Bomb character. Um basically he just wants to take his punch, but he, he just can't stand not knowing how his life is about to be upended because of what he's done. And he has a very sort of cusack delivery mm-hmm. um, where he's like, well, I'm just, you know, Jesus, you're just handling this, handling this incredibly well. Like I'm really impressed with you, like Russell. And of course there's then the turn where, where, you know, he's, he, it's flipped on him. Like it, this could happen to him too. Like if, if this is really two guys who want to take everything from each other, you know, obviously, um, that that's where the paranoia sets in, but uh, you know, I like that the party sequence you mentioned because I love how Jolie plays it, where you know he yells at her like sort of fake yells Nick his name, uh-huh. and she just has this very sarcastic like <laughs> Nick, like she just like she's like I'm just repeating what you just said, but it still has no meaning to me, like I'm still not taking it, in and I don't care. Uh, I I love that sequence because I feel like not only is he concerned with what this cooler guy thinks of him. Like, but he's also like, he seems put off that even when his wife interrupts his conversation where he's trying to play the bartender, play the cool guy in front of this sexy woman, um, she doesn't care about him. And she's also like clearly dismissive of his wife too. Like she's dismissive of his whole life and this, this world that he's in where he is the coolest guy in the room. Like she doesn't give a shit about the room at all. And I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird, it's sort of like a more effective version of, um, uh, closer. Did you ever see that with Clive Owen of and course, Natalie yeah. Portman? Yeah. Uh, well, you say of course. It's not like that was a runaway smash. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, the, I'm a Mike Nichols fan. Come on. <laughs> 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 um, uh, I imagine those conversations were very much like you know the, the scene with Clive Owen and Julia Roberts, where they're just like screaming at each other about all the places she's had sex with Jude Law. But um, I, I felt like this handled. I mean, it's it's broader. I, I guess. But the the sort of power dynamics of this weird foursome with these two couples, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I think it plays a lot better here than something like Closer. Or it, it plays, 
strangely it plays more like people i feel like i've met you know um i don't know even uh you, you talked about how the film doesn't let these guys come across as cool ever even the way they fucking dress mm-hmm. and i'm not you know i don't want to put this on cusack but i feel like this is like his idea like yeah this is something he brought to the character because he looks very similar as far as i don't even think he's wearing like almost the exact same shirt as he is in high fidelity which comes out a year later like it's this black with like white polka dots and i don't know he's just he's just like it's like he's a kmart version of like maverick uh-huh from top gun <laughs> like you know it's just like a really cheap kind of tacky version of that but you you get this guy thinks that he's cock of the walk that he's really cool and he's wearing like track pants adidas track pants and like a weird maroon like button-up shirt like silk shirt i don't know there's just all these little touches i really like as i was watching that i was just really digging and um also as as usual sort of how we kind of get to the end of these episodes just kind of been incredibly depressed because i was like this film was far too quirky for a mainstream comedy uh with you know some up-and-coming actors especially with uh, blanchett and jolie and then two established guys um I just I don't think that this would be stripped of all of its quirks. It would be far cleaner uh, and less messy and probably far less interesting if uh, this was made today. It wouldn't be made today. And the thing of it is, I, I just think I just think that happens because there were too many movies. I think this would have captured an audience if it came out a different year. I think if it came out a year later, this would have captured uh, more of an audience. And I'm looking at Mike Newell, his filmography here. And there are a lot of good good films in here. And just like Alejandro uh, Amenabar, uh, who we talked about uh, the other week, you know, because you can't pin this guy down to a genre uh, or, or, or a certain filmmaking style, you know, he just kind of goes unnoticed. But, you know, I'm a fan of, uh, let's see, Donnie Brasco, uh, two years prior to this, which is really good. Uh, <laughs> Tell you what, if you were a huge fan of Don Nebraska, you're probably not expecting, like, I know what he's going to do next. Yeah. It's going to be a comedy about <laughs> air traffic controllers and their affairs. No, probably not. But after this, uh, Mona Lisa Smile, you know, I'm not a big Julia Roberts rom-com uh, fan, but uh, Mona Lisa Smile is one of those few uh, films that I remember enjoying quite a bit. And he made the best Harry Potter, in my opinion. I was just talking about this with my roommate earlier today, and we both agreed. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, best Harry Potter. Uh, Love in the Time of Cholera is an interesting case uh, because that was a very that that was a very large financial bomb that got uh, a lot of very specific criticisms leveled against it for the uh, sex between older people in that movie and the makeup. Uh, I think the makeup is a legitimate criticism in that film, but the passion between older characters in that movie, that was the right choice. That, that I mean, I, I, you probably never saw Love in the Time of Cholera, but I, you know, that's no. a, another movie that of his that, you know, should get, get revisited. I, I am about to uh, have a really strange addition to my 
a YouTube algorithm by Googling the sex scene for <laughs> Love in the Time of Cholera, though. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, no, honestly, I'm such a huge uh, Pushing Tin fan and Donnie Brasco that uh, apparently the only thing I've seen uh, that he did after those two films is uh, his version of Great Expectations. Was it any good? Which I liked it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, and within the last few years, I watched that one and then the uh, the De Niro, Ethan Hawke one. Um, and I, I mean, it's I prefer the, uh, you know, this 2012 version is fairly straightforward but uh yeah i dug it i liked it so uh all right so uh yeah uh, uh, we wrapped up because i got some youtube stuff to watch so oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so i'm done with this now uh but yeah this is um this is probably gonna be uh, a really strange way to say it but this was a pleasant very pleasant surprise rewatch for me which i don't often often have um and i always really like that experience there's gonna be another one coming up uh, which i've spoken about before uh with eyes wide shut which uh i had probably had a more uh immediate um need to revisit and then it had to serve a 180 uh whereas this one uh, i guess my 180 took place at that 20 minute marker where i was waiting to get a text message from you very smart ass text message about uh pushington and uh, that never happened so i'm glad that we both uh, really enjoyed this one and i hope people if we've not spoiled it too much uh do check it out i don't i don't think it's like streaming uh free anywhere or free ish but i do think you can rent it at uh amazon prime and itunes and all that jazz yeah, I tried. To, I googled to see if there was a Blu-ray after after <laughs> the movie was over, and and sadly there's not. So uh, this is it, my little uh, five dollar DVD copy that I got from uh, Zia Records. Um, you know, that's that's it. Cherish it, Ben. <laughs> I will <laughs> hold on to it. Uh, so next, yeah, uh, next week uh, we have. Let's see. Uh, I guess I should. I, I can't think of a way to quiz you on this one. So it's uh, Entrapment with Sean Connery and uh, Velma Kelly. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I can't remember if there's sex in that, but at least uh, one half of that pairing would be uh, senior citizen age. Um, <laughs> I don't think there was. I think that was a PG-13 uh, joint, so probably not. So I'm going to have to stick with uh, Love in the Time of Fowler, but I uh, I don't think I've seen Entrapment since. Uh, I did watch it in theaters, I think, with my parents. Um, I haven't seen it since, so this will be uh, pretty much a, a fresh watch for me. I do remember the, the laser sequence. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Me too. But uh, other yep. than that, nothing else. So uh be kind of a new release for us, which is uh, probably good, because I don't... <laughs> I don't know if anything worth a damn is actually coming out next week in theaters, so it'll be entrapment for us. So hopefully you will join us for that and uh, keep checking out what we're doing on 99 from 99. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99 from 99.